Hi, I'm Phil Peake. This is Ian Four Candles Moss and welcome to Flowing Backwards. This week's episode, episode four, Stepping Out. Ian's going to talk about gigs and more gigs. So sit back, relax and enjoy. Oh, and by the way, Ian mentioned something about strapping people to the wall in my little bunker. Something I don't do. No, he's only thinking about things he's done in the past. But you'll hear about that soon enough anyway. So, enjoy. Hello everybody, here we go again. I'm back in Phil's cellar. Um, the last person who was strapped to the wall has just exited with a smile on his face. Uh, I don't know what's been going on down here. Uh, there'll be none of it during this broadcast, that I do assure you. Um, all joking apart, we're here with the spectre of the coronavirus upon us all, a global pandemic, and it would be remiss not to mention it. So, uh, as you listen... I hope that you keep him well. I hope your loved ones uh, keep him well. And I hope this um, broadcast is a little distraction if you're feeling a little bit lonely. Um, tonight's episode uh, is called Stepping Out. And it's about my first forays to going seeing uh, acts performing live in the early 70s, which... Uh, was a revelation because it was very, very affordable and very, very easily achieved. It, is, it was nothing like um, today's market where people play in these huge arenas that sell out for astronomical sums. Um, it was cheap and cheerful. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, as usual, I'll start with um, a piece of poetry. Or and I actually don't write poetry. I write um, song lyrics, which are a different thing because the rhythms um, are much more important in uh, songwriting probably than they are in poems. I'm less florid than I would be if I was writing actual poetry. Anyway, this is called Total Freak Out. Spiralling! and spiralling, surrendering control, when you feel the fracturing happening in your soul, there is an all-out assault on your senses, distortion of sight and sound, picking up strange frequencies while being sucked into the ground. Total freak out under the trees, engulfed by the awesome leaves, carried on the gentle breeze that has the colour purple. Melting down, melting down, emotionally I'm frazzled, shiny baubles falling down, seduction bedazzled. And there is a great significance in each movement and gesture. And each moment is stretching and filling up with questions. Total freak out in the weird wood. From the goblet drink the blood. Heads all bowed beneath hoods. All in shades of purple. It is useless to resist. It is useless. It is useless to resist. It is useless. 
we are tiny and fragile so very tiny tiny and fragile so very tiny total freak out beneath a yellow moon the ancient stones are rough hewn still they glow against the gloom and all the world is purple there we go um that was completely meaningless but i hope you enjoyed it nonetheless anyway um let's uh, continue with the um, with the story so aged um 13 1971 after my failed attempt at going to see desmond decker and the aces in hyde um I pluck up courage alongside two school chums, uh, Andy and Graham, and we go to see Slade at the Free Trade Hall. Now, Slade had recently had a big hit with Get Down and Get With It, and their uh, current single, as as um, the night of the, the performance drew near, hit number one, Cause I Love You which was fantastic, featuring uh, a sort of freaky, weird violin uh, break, which, which I loved. Um, they, were, they were probably my first band that I really identified with, although it proved to be short-lived because um, after the next single from Because I Love You, Look What You've Done, they then sort of hit on a formula and I found it a bit patronising and a lot less interesting. And I know many, many people love Slade, and they will slaughter me for saying that. But I really thought that they turned into a kind of end-of-the-peer act, and I found it terribly boring and thought they only um, kind of resurrected themselves when they came to make uh, a feature film, Slade in Flame, and acted as normal people which made them write as normal people and consequently the music was much better than writing as Slade glam rock superstars anyway so we go down to the free trade hall I suppose um, we didn't have tickets you didn't need tickets for most concerts in those days you simply went to the box office on the night of the show and bought a ticket um the the auditorium was somewhere between half and two-thirds full and i waited eagerly for my first taste of real music um we were in uh, the balcony um, on the side on the right hand side of the stage looking down upon the stage and so the first band that i saw were the support act to slade who were a band called status quo now a new status quo had hit singles in uh, the late 60s and a couple in the early 70s too but they'd um, recently undergone uh a transformation in their sound uh, that very month their LP pile driver was released and they were monumental they were brutal um, they were art in, in the way that they stripped everything back all the superfluous nonsense that most bands carried around uh, and 
infected us with um status quo just got rid of it and got back to the the roots of it in that i always felt that they were um a prototype to the ramones almost who who did the same same trick a few years later anyway so status quo played they were absolutely magnificent this was their single at the time and it's called paper plane and it is brilliant <laughs> Oh, that was the mighty quo um things had a strange intensity in those in those days i'm sure they do for for everybody of that age where months seem like years because you cram so much into them so um i've gone along seen slade fallen in love with slade fallen out with slade and perhaps six weeks or two months later um I go again with my friends Graham and Andy to see the faces. Now the faces would prove to be an enduring love. They were out of this world. They were 
such a brilliant live act and the difference between them and Slade was uh, where, whereas I say Slade were very much entertainers the faces didn't give a monkeys um, they were a, they were a gang of mates having a glorious time uh, and because they were so talented they got away with it they were having the cake and eating it um, so the the I went, to, I went to see the faces, and they turned up late. They were clearly drunk, um, and it, and it was revolutionary to to see this this attitude. This rather than kowtowing to an audience and and bowing and scraping, they didn't care. At, w at one point, um, Kenny Jones, the drummer, got went into a small drum break, and. The, the rest of the band picked up a couple of bottles of wine, headed right up to the top seats where the orchestra would play, looking down on poor Kenny slogging away, opened these wines, taken wine glasses with them, and sat there drinking the wine while he had to play through through this this drum solo. And then you know, and then when they'd finished in their own good time, they rejoined him. They were absolutely brilliant, and I would I went and watched the faces a lot of times. I'm I'm not sure how many, but over the next few years, you know, probably seven or eight times. I mean, I saw them um, at the Hard Rock in in unbelievable heat at the Hard Rock, and Kenny Jones collapsed and had to be um, stretched out of the place. Um, I saw them again at the Free Trade Hall where. To and, and the roof was raised when they fetched Dennis Law onto the stage. I saw them at the Buxton Festival. More about the Buxton Festivals later, which was hellish. Um, but yeah, the faces were 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 great, and they were um, they were iconic to me. And so um, we're going to play something by the faces, and most people equate the faces with the the good time rock and roll that tended to be penned by Rod Stewart and Ronnie Wood. And I love all that stuff, don't don't get me wrong. But the heart and soul of the faces was always Ronnie Lane. And this is a beautiful song by Ronnie Lane called Debris. Cause you knew you'd find me waiting there 
the top of the stairs Trouble at the depot with the General Workers Union, and you said they'll never change a thing. Well, they won't fight, and they're not working. And so, uh, on to the aforementioned hard rock. Manchester, or rather uh, Stratford, was lucky enough to have, uh, I think, what was the world, not the world's, the country's first state-of-the-art concert venue created uh, that looked very space-age. And you went in and it was all fluorescent lights that showed off uh, your dandruff. Uh, as you wandered around and um, it was very very exciting and for the opening night they booked um, David Bowie quite early in the Ziggy Stardust tours now um, it was a hot ticket 
not so much for Bowie, who was on the cusp of uh, of great things, but but more for the for the venue that everybody was was terribly excited about. Um, so, and so I went to see David Bowie um, this time with a different group of of friends and. And again, it was a huge turning point in in my life. Uh, Bowie wasn't the supreme confident showman that he became at this point. He was a little bit fey, uh, a little bit nervous. There were mistakes and the band were not uh, a rampant power trio behind him. There was a charm about it all and he... Uh, spoke floridly between songs and everybody very nicely clapped along um, as if it was a sort of giant folk club while he played the acoustic section he played a lovely acoustic space oddity and then off he disappeared with his spiders from Mars uh, towards superstardom story goes they wore the clothes they said the things to make it seem improbable the will of a lie like the hope it was and the good men tomorrow had their feet in the wallow and their heads are brawn when eyes are shorn and how they bought their positions with saccharine and trust and the world was asleep to our latent fuss Sang the swirl through the streets Like the crust of the sun Of you dear brothers In our wings that bark Flashing teeth of brass Standing tall in the dark So he could scream and still relax Unbelievable And we frightened the small children away And our talk was old And dust would flow through our veins And lo, it was midnight back at the kitchen door Like the grim face on the cathedral floor Solid book we wrote cannot be found today. And it was stalking time for the moon boys, the Beauty Brothers. With our backs on the arch, and if the devil made me here, but he can't sing about that.
the dress is hung, the ticket pawn, the factor max that proves the fact is melted down. Woven on the edging of my pillow. And my brother lays upon the rocks. He could be dead, he could be not, he could be you. He's chameleon, comedian, Corinthian, and caricature. Shooting up high in the sky, beauty brothers. In the feeble in the bed, beauty brothers. In the blessed and cold, in the crutch hungry dark. I saw Bowie again a, a couple of months later at, at the Hard Rock, just as um, John I'm Only Dancing was released, which he didn't play live, although they played they played the single over the PA so that we could all get to hear it. And and you could f you, you sensed the momentum rising. It wasn't full, you know. People will be amazed. That night wasn't full. It was perhaps three quarters full. David Bowie at his peak, and. Um, it was it was something else. What was also interesting that night was was the hard rock, which I say um, was purpose built, had this um, feature where at the end of a concert they could half the size of the venue via these sliding doors and these seats that popped up out of the ground and turn it into a club venue, uh, which was called the Village. And so, as as David Boy finished, they they began this process of turning the place into the village, and we were invited to stay. And so, stay stay, I, I did, and uh, watched Edwin Starr, which was which was absolutely great as as well. Um, so Edwin would be the first soul singer I ever saw perform live, and uh, it was. It was a very late night, but it was all worth it. Um, con concerts became a regular thing to me. Um, they, they were good because I didn't drink as much when I went to concerts, um, which was my other big thing. Um, 
so by the time I was 16, I mean, I've, I've written a little kind of list here. You know, by the time I was 16 years old, and, and as I say, none of these were difficult to get tickets for, and none of these were expenses. I'd seen the Rolling Stones, I'd seen The Who a couple of times, I'd seen Bowie several times, Alex Harvey, Hawkwind, Donovan, The Kinks a bunch of time, uh, 10CC, Paul McCartney, Alice Cooper, Cockney Rebel, and Kevin Ayres, with John Cale, Nico, and Eno. And that was absolutely brilliant. Against that, not everything that I saw was brilliant, uh, so I've got another smaller list of things that were not so brilliant. I'd also, in that time scale, seen Led Zeppelin, who sent me to sleep. They were tedious, awful, um, just dreadful. Bad Company, I went to see twice. I actually saw their first ever gig. Why I went to a second one, I don't know. Eric Clapton, who was creaking and ancient. Um Rory Gallagher, all my friends loved Rory Gallagher. I I went along to to experience it and I just didn't get it at all. Um man equally I didn't get it. It just all seemed like one long guitar solo. It bored me to death. Humble Pie. Now I loved the small faces. And every time I saw Humble Pie, it just made me think of Steve Marriott, you know, leaving the small faces to form Humble Pie. He must have been out of his fucking mind. And, and worst of all, um, at the Hard Rock, and, and I made reference to this in the last show, I went to see Emerson, Lake and Palmer, who I was a big fan of. And it was... Uh, it was the most uncomfortable, tedious three hours, I think it lasted. And as I said, I'd got these kind of spray-on trousers and everybody sat cross-legged um, throughout the performance in rapt uh, appreciation of the art from the stage. It was ag Well, my trousers were agony. I think they may well have done uh, permanent damage it was awful. It was absolutely awful. They were playing uh, the album of the time, Tarkus, and Tarkus was a kind of half armadillo, half tank, and they had a um, model Tarkus at the front of the stage that spat out polystyrene balls that the hippies freaked out at. Um, it was pathetic. And then as the one of the other points was where Keith Emerson bless him, uh, poor Keith who committed suicide a few years ago um, he, he feigned intercourse with his Hammond organ, now humping an Hammond organ um, does not look erotic, it just looks stupid, and it was stupid, anyway the hippies loved it and I hated it, and I couldn't listen to Emerson, Lake and Palmer again for probably the next 25 years, although strangely enough when I did pick back up on them um, they, they still charm me, I don't love them or anything, but, but I can listen to them, anyway um, that's, that's that um, I, I suppose from from Bowie, um, there the becomes this this lineage of where you start taking on board his influences, and and so one of uh, his 
often quoted influences was Lou Reed. And I was lucky enough to see Lou Reed on, on his first um, trip to the UK. And he played uh, the Palace Theatre in 71 or 72 with um, a band that he'd picked up, the Tots, who were little more than a bar band. So it was basically a very proto-punk performance. Um, even more proto-punk because Lou was completely wrecked. Um, not a bit giddy and silly, but absolutely wrecked. And he kept falling over, kept collapsing. And so the, the gig concluded with um, roadies holding either side of him, holding him up while he slurred into the microphone. And I found that sensational. I found that it's, it's, these, it's the reality of it that, that excited me. Um, and and the the non acquiescing to an audience's expectations, the freedom to do that, it's it's very strange thing because I, I I got into a conversation only a couple of years ago with somebody else who was there, um, a, a guy who lives in Wales, Rod, and 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 we were just talking about gigs we'd been to, and he said the worst gig I ever saw was Lou Reed at the Palace. It was a disgrace. And and what he found a disgrace, I found totally exciting. Um, so people's perceptions uh, are very different. Anyway, I'm not going to play one of Lou's solo tracks just because uh, at, this, at the same time, um, my brother and I were on a complete uh, heavy velvet underground jag we had discovered the velvet underground and we knew we had heard um the future and it was the most exciting music that that you could imagine so we're going to play um from the second album the title track white light white heat by the velvet underground Oh, I'd like to sit now, 
one of one of my favourite acts, not just live, but but the records and 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 they've lived with me all through my life. They're a reference point and an inspiration. Are the Kinks and obviously Ray Davis's songwriting, and um, I was fortunate enough again around this period to go and watch the Kinks at um, at the Palace. Once again, it was far from full. Um, it was a strange period for Ray Davis. He'd had something of a, a nervous and an emotional breakdown only a couple of weeks prior to this at White City in London and announced his retirement, um, which was easier said than done, you know, because he'd find himself tied into all sorts of contracts for one thing. Anyway, here he here he was just a few weeks later in Manchester and um I'd I'd bumped into this guy, this older guy, this kind of weird hippie guy called Sonny. And I always remember I didn't know him very well. I only ever met him two or three times. But when he introduced himself to me, he said, I'm called Sonny. You know, Bevan tried to change the nation, Sonny tried to turn the world. That's how you'll remember me. Um and I did. And as I still remember him, I can still still picture him. He's a lot older than me, um, and he was a, he was a sort of strange strange character. Um, but anyway, we watched the Kinks, and then at at the closing notes, we hot footed out as we were going round the corner onto Whitworth Street. Um, the support acts who were called March Hare had been out defacing walls in a in a manner that the Stone Roses impersonated a few years later, well, quite a lot of years later. But they were they were going in through the stage entrance and we simply tagged along uh, behind March Air and went romping into the auditor on the stage at the palace where the kinks had been moments before. Uh, so, so I started um, opening doors and looking around uh, fascinated by all this and I opened one particular door and there was the unmistakable clanging uh, echoing horrible sound of me knocking somebody's guitar over, over uh, you know a sort of kind of noise um, so I put my head around the, the door and Ray Davis was there smiled at me said watch my guitar man and invited myself and Sonny in for a chat. Um, and and we sat and talked for 20 or 25 minutes before before I think I en ended it by saying, look, I've got to go and, and, and get my bus. But we sat talking to Ray Davis, who is notoriously churlish, but he was far from it with us. He was, he was most forthcoming... Um, I, I, th I think it was just I think he just enjoyed talking to people who didn't want anything from him who had no expectations of him you know I mean we, we didn't even we didn't ask him for autographs or anything we just talked as if we were pals we were talking about football Ray Davis was a, a big friend of George Best's and we were talking about George uh, quite a lot of the time and I remember asking him um, why he never played Shangri-La live. I remember that, asking that. That's a strange 
recollection that's just come into my head. Um, and and he said it's it's not something that you could play just as a single piece. You would have to build a kind of set around it so that it it, it meant something. Anyway, that's a strange memory. Um, but that was lovely, and it was great seeing uh, somebody who. I'd, was he an idol i don't know it was somebody i admired and it took away that um veneer of idolatry i suppose he was just a normal lovely normal warm person and that was an important lesson uh, it was it was really good um amongst perhaps my favorite act in this period was another classicist really a brilliant brilliant songwriter who surrounded himself with brilliant interesting musicians and that was kevin ayres um again like like bowie you know as 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 bowie introduced us to into all sorts of things um so so did kevin you know from kevin um i found myself listening to lol coxhill and david bedford and Oh dear, you know, um, Gong, Soft Machine. It's it's a, this this join the dots journey, and I saw Kevin Ayres several times. Uh, the highlight being um, seeing the Ayres Kale Nico Eno gig, um, which was absolutely fantastic. See, seeing all these people, seeing Nico. I never thought I'd seen Nico. I think I'd already seen John Kale at that time but seeing two two members of the velvet underground in one night wow this was this was incredible incredible stuff um so i actually got to play a gig supporting kevin ayres much much later in his career and um I'd, I'd, I'd seen the gig announced and I contacted the promoter and practically demanded the support slot um, I, I don't really like support gigs because nobody cares about you nobody wants to see you um, they just um, tend to be an ego trip for a lot of people to say oh you know I played with new order or you know something um and but nobody wants to see you but i really wanted to play with kevin ayres and the promoter said to me well it's you can't play because it's an acoustic only gig you know he wants an acoustic support act so i insisted that my bandmates bought acoustic instruments and we got the gig and we played and kevin to my delight um, came into the audience and watched us and at the end of our our set he came to me and said in his very plummy lovely beautiful plummy voice he said i rather enjoyed that you're very eccentric aren't you for northerners which um absolutely delighted me so let's let's play some kevin airs um a mainstay of my early teens and this is shouting in a bucket blues sometimes I get too drunk and feel so goddamn low I have no place to 
go No one to turn to I think about your loving arms Where I'd like to be But it's selfish as can be And I know it And if I'm sorry for myself I'm sorry for you too Cause I'm the same as you And I'm burning So I sing for everyone Who feels there's no way out Or maybe if you all shout Someone will hear you Listen to them shout That would be a lie I can only say I try And you know it mm, Love is something more and less Than words can hope to say It's something day to day In the life we're living Lovers come and lovers go But friends are hard to find Yes, I can count all my hands on one finger So I sing for everyone Who feels there's no way out Or maybe if you all shout Someone will hear you Or listen to them shout Just never seems to change There's a whole mountain range Of misunderstanding So I sing for everyone Who feels there's no way out Or maybe if you all shout Someone will hear you Or listen to them shout Okay, um, I'm I'm gonna wind up this this week with that track. Basically, uh, the one I've not mentioned, the, uh, the a really memorable gig, and it, and it, I don't I'm, I don't want to be crude, but it was, but there was so much freedom when you went to a gig. Uh, the really memorable gig I, I remember was for an odd reason was going to see Mick Ronson at the Free Trade Hall. Uh, because I was stood on a seat, and this this very attractive young girl came and stood in front of me at groin height, 
and spurred on by my uh, obviously fantastic looks and um, Mick Ronson's erotic sounding guitar playing um, fellated me while he played uh, Love Me Tender in the middle of the free trade hall. So that was memorable for that reason. Um, if you can erase that thought from your head, um, good luck to you. Um, and hopefully we'll be back next week um if there's if there's not any more naked men strapped to the walls um it will that would be a plus as well um as i said earlier take care take care of your loved ones and hopefully we'll be with you again for another installment of this series next week bye bye we love you Thanks, Ian, and I hope you all enjoyed that episode of Flowing Backwards. Well, I'll just remind you two things. One, don't forget to use our Facebook page. That's Flow Backwards. Um, Leave a message on there for us. Make a comment on the podcast. Do what you will. And also, if you go to our website which is www.flowingbackwards.co.uk again you can leave us contact on our email and you can also access all the podcasts that we have uh, so lovingly prepared for you so again thanks from me phil peak and from him ian four candles moss and stay safe Please don't take any risks. Thank you.